0: Yes, we are the brave We'll fight you in May The name of the brave We are the U.S. of A. All right. Good afternoon, everybody. It's Sergeant Be Real here with uh, Veterans Be Real. I got Steven Remus on today. We're going to be talking a little bit about his transition out of the military into the civilian sector. Hopefully, it'll be some informational stuff that we can all use, all of us, to include me, because I'm always looking to learn from other veterans to see if I can make my life a little better, or a little easier. So I'm excited to hear Steve and what's going on with him. So without
1: further ado, Steven, the floor is yours. Hey, how's it going, Matt? I really appreciate this opportunity. I want to get that out here first and foremost. And we appreciate you being on, Steve. We really do. It (laughs) means a lot. Yeah, no problem. Uh, My name is Steve Ramus. I am a 12-year Air Force veteran. I enlisted... uh, I think I went through boot camp starting October 1st, 2003. I separated from the Air Force uh, December 9th, 2015. I spent a few years in the Middle East. Uh, Iraq, Qatar, all the fun places. I also spent almost a year in Honduras. Wow. And I believe... Uh, down there at Soto Cano uh, Army Base uh, was probably actually the most enlightening military experience I had. You know I spent six years almost six years at the Pentagon to to end up my career, but getting to see military members and our main focus was volunteer work and really like third world development yeah it really opened your eyes to what 's going on in the world, and that 's why you know sort of my my approach post military life has been how do I best do that? Whether it's giving back to veterans, giving back to my community, those are the things that I, I try to focus on nowadays. So one of the checklist items that, that gets asked of us: I uh, discharged honorably in 2015. At a boy, yeah. So people try to make light of that, but it's a it's a very big deal, and it resonates really well in post military employment. Uh, so I will I will speak to my first. Well, I'd say my first three years after I separated were definitely, those are my test years. There you go. You know, being someone who has some mental health issues, like, like most other veterans.
0: Yeah, I'm um, on, bomb on that train. Yeah.
1: Once you lose a big part of your life, once you lose that military surrounding, life is not easy. Life does not get any easier. I'll tell you guys that right now. Life does not get easier. You know, so the first step for me was admitting that, hey, first off, I needed a little more help to get through my daily routine. Uh, Being structured and solid uh, was something that I experienced for 12 years. So post-military life, not having a structure or routine like that really made things difficult for me. That with... I felt I was prepared to leave the military. You know, I finished my master's degree before I got out. Nice. I landed a job as a defense contractor almost within a month, so I was still around military folks, but not having to have a routine was probably the hardest thing for me to adjust to, and that's that's something I still struggle with to this day, uh, especially now, uh, getting stuck with my uh, the person I the company I work for now, and working from home, it's a different uh, it's, it's a, a different, different animal, isn't it? <laughs> it's a different. Animal, it's a different isn't it? feeling. It's I, a different animal. <laughs> yeah. I need an office to go to. I need, I need to physically go somewhere. And you know, a lot of what's been going on has prevented me from doing that. I I like to tell people I'm a social person. I'm a little more outgoing than most people and not being able to kind of resonate that in my daily life has been a real struggle, at least with everything going on lately. Yeah. Especially. Yeah. Yeah. So after, after I was a defense contractor for a couple of years, I was down at Barksdale air force base. I left and came back to Tucson, Arizona, I took a temporary job as an assistant manager at a Walmart. And if if you want, if you want a real trying experience, <laughs> be a manager at a Walmart. Yeah. And it's not, it's I really enjoy the experience because I got to lead people again. Right. What I did not enjoy was how poorly they got treated by the community. There's a there's a fine line psychologically where certain things can be let go. And there there are other times when I stood up as a manager and got in customers' faces because the way they were reacting to my employees. Yeah, employees, yeah just treat them like crap. Yeah, yeah you, gotta, you gotta you gotta protect them.
0: Yeah. And, you, and them. you
1: know, it's not like getting yelled at by your DI. It's different. Right. Yeah, it's way different. Yeah. So for me to to be more than willing to step up and, and just I don't care if customers yell at me. Yeah. You know, I, I right. get paid. I was getting paid to get yelled at. Yep. It's when the poor the poor stock boy that's making twelve dollars an hour. Is getting rained up and down the floor that you really have to, I guess, tie into my veteran leadership experience and, and intervene. Uh, so after that, I started working at a, at a biomedical company. Uh, that's what I do now. But with that, I also, for this first year, was my first year running for public office. Nice. I, I ran for the Arizona State House and I actually learned quite a bit about how people perceive themselves versus how they act. Uh, so so there there were some things that i was not anticipating like you know my website steveremusgop.com i considered myself to be a constitutional conservative apparently there are a lot of people who do not read the constitution and who do not believe that it is something that we should swear an oath to continually defend even after military service so i was not only being bamboozled by one party who i was diametrically opposed to but my own party, who I was trying to represent, was also opposed to my belief structure, so there was that's a little challenging, challenging. Yeah. But, <laughs> well, so you would be surprised, but at the local level, the local level, which can actually influence change in people's daily lives, it's very I don't want to say it's, it's a lot like high school and you have your cliques, but it is yeah there are people who who think that they can. Get a title and be lazy and not have to do the work that they promised their constituents they would do. Right. And those are the people who are threatened by newcomers. They they want you to abide by their rules. Those are the career politicians that are comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. So these these folks want you to Mm -hmm. do as they say, do as you're told, and then they'll support you. As someone who has a military background and we are forced and pounded integrity into our head on a daily basis. First off, there's not a whole lot of people in this world that can tell me what to do. And I think they underestimated my will to stick to my guns on a lot of issues. All right. And once I realized sort of what was happening, I started just talking more to the community because the community is the ones who will support me in the future. Yeah. Uh, yeah. These, these folks, that get in your way. And if you think about running for public office, you can steamroll them out of the way with public support. Yep. So I encourage anyone who's thinking about doing this and running for public office to see what the local political landscape is like. Whatever party you're affiliated with, it, I don't really have a preference. Right. As, long as, you, as long as you uphold and defend the Constitution, I don't care if you're with the Porcupine Party. It's perfectly acceptable. Yep. You know? As long as you understand that the supreme law of the land is a Constitution and that we have to protect that, I really have no problems with a lot of people. Right. He got my vote kind of thing. Right. So,
0: yeah. I mean, me, I mean, I've had a lot of people ask me to run for office here locally, like mayor or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, because I I wouldn't run as a Democrat. I would run as an American because I'm all about what we do as an American. I mean, I'll do whatever's right, whether it's a Democratic side or a Republican side. It's the right thing to do for my people and, the, you know, my constituents, my community wouldn't matter to me what side of the party it was on. It would matter. Is it right? Is it legal? Is it defend? You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, mm-hmm. people got to understand running for public office is a challenge on top of on top of everything else but it's also like you and me i almost consider it an obligation by guys in the military that we have to because it helps get people's like mr crawl or uh, what's his name dan I know, he's a he's at a presidential yeah next navy seal guy i mean he i mean he, he don't play no games he just tells it like it is and and follows his constituents and he does it doesn't matter what party he's from what matters is just the type of person he is the integrity he has and the fact that he follows through on what he says so that's what's important for all of us is what we need from our leadership is that we can count on them to be have integrity and be telling us the truth, and that's the
1: biggest thing. So yeah, yeah, and especially you know when you get when you start looking at federal offices like uh, Dan Crenshaw, yeah, you know we have been as a veteran population sorely underrepresented. Amen. Yeah. And I know I could name off the top of my head five or six folks that I worked for, who I think would have would have been perfect for a U.S. senator or a U.S. Uh, member of the House. All right, and. I do feel like it is my continued obligation, especially having sworn the oath once, to continue and swear that oath every day I get up. Every you day I get up, man. Doesn't change, yeah. Huh? <laughs> yeah, we have we have to look at, you know, I know the veteran population struggles, but so does a lot of the American population. Yeah. So when we start talking about things like mental health, absolutely I wanna come up with better policies, better health care for that. Yeah. But there's still parts of Certain parties that are very resistant to uh, even having a discussion. Yeah, and if you're not open to having a discussion and being objective, eventually you just put a you put this country in the situation that it's in now. Mm-hmm. Everyone is so like just stuck on I am left and you are right, and that's that. And it's not that there's talking points that can lead us both to reasonable agreements. Yep. I know there's some folks that disagree with that and. Well, they're so radical one way or the other that there's no there's no
0: coming back and that's the problem i think that this our culture leads to is that because of all the freedoms we have because of all the veterans out there and the soldiers and the airmen and all that stuff they're that defending that ability to have that right we take it for granted and we take advantage of it because like you're saying even like the mental health thing because i'm a big i was a medic in the army i was a mental health guy in the army i did all that stuff and i understand we need a lot of help mental health wise veterans but there's a lot of people in the real world that need any PTSD is such a, it's kind of combat related the way people think about PTSD, but PTSD is not combat related. It's traumatic event related, whether it was combat or a rape or an assault or, or murder, or you watch, you, you witnessed a murder. It can be anything in, in our public, in our country, because of the crime problems and the the whole country needs mental health pro- help. You know And I mean, I mean, yeah, the veterans, she, And I, but I'm, a, I'm, me personally, I'm a big believer that the the actual branches of service should have more of an input in that before we get out to make sure that we're good. And then TRICARE, because that was our mental, that was our medical coverage while we were in, should have a bigger impact on it. We shouldn't lean everything on the VA, in my opinion, because there's too much tax on that for the VA to handle all that at once. Oh, absolutely. And kind of spread the wealth a little bit and let, let some of the, like the Army or the Air Force, before you get out, they should do a due diligence to make sure, yes, you are identified as a mental health. So, TRICARE is gonna cover you for the next eight to 10 years for mental health appointments. So, you can continue yep. to get mental health treatment. That way, you can get fixed. You know what I mean? There's gotta be a way that our government can say, mm-hmm. yeah, we don't have to build and put billions of dollars in these new programs. We can just say, look, this sergeant's getting out. He's been in for 20 years. He did six tours. He's got PTSD pretty bad and depression and anxiety. Let's just give him mental health coverage with TRICARE. I mean, if he retires, he's good, but let's say he gets out of 10 years. He didn't medically retire, he didn't retire. He's just ETS him. Let's give him so long of care regardless because he's been diagnosed by us that he has PTSD. So let's cover him. I think it's just a matter of verbiage. And then, yes, there's it's always money. I mean, I know money is the biggest driving thing to everything. But oh, yeah. the problem with it is, is that I don't think people think of the problem as how do we solve it. They think of how do we – they're like patching holes. They're like putting fingers in a dam kind of thing. And I'm like – the Army, the Air Force, the Marines, the Coast Guard, all of them, they should take more. These were men and women that served for that branch. That branch should take ownership of what they did and what happened to that person while they were serving. Help out a little bit. Then the care can help out a little bit. Then the VA can help after. And then then there's more time for transitioning things. And more. But that's just me. And I, I'm a big advocate for that, too, because I work with a lot of veterans to help them you know, with their VA claims and everything else to try to help them understand that it's not the VA's fault. They're so overwhelmed because... Everybody comes over the ways to put and everybody pushes it on the VA. I mean, you're like over flooding the dam. So it's yeah. you know, like you're talking about it's like the public office people need to be the ones that go, look, we got to find a better way to do this in our And see, that's what it is. You start in your own community first. You make that program successful in your community, then you can reach out and say, hey, we can put this in the whole county or we can put this in the whole state. And then we can look to the state and say, hey, government, look at what our state is doing or look at what our county in the state is doing. It's working. How can we implement that at a, at a bigger level? So it's really just a matter of steps. And, and like you said, public office is probably, you know, right now, I'm so concerned about our political situation in our country with all the names slashing and bashing. And like I tell my mom, my mom is not a big Trump supporter, right? But I tell her, look, mom, it doesn't matter if you're a supporter or not. He was elected president. We have to make sure that we're supporting his decisions that are best for this country, whether we like him or not. Well agree with how stupid is like, yeah, sometimes he can say something that's not really smart or some he can be foolish because he's reacting as a human being with his mental, you know his ability of intelligence or his ability or whatever and or the knowledge he has, and he might say the wrong thing from time to time. yeah, but I don't think in his mind he's trying to do anything to hurt the public. I think he's trying to help from his point of view. and we elected him, whether we like it or not, whether I don't care who the president is. I like I tell my mom every year, I vote, and if my guy wins, great. if my guy does not win. Okay. The president is the president. I mean, we follow his orders, we follow his guidance because that's what our society said who's going to yep. be in charge for the next four and in four years we don't want him, we vote him out. That's the whole beauty of our country that we can rotate if we need to rotate. But uh, yeah, yeah so you're you're right on track with all that, I think, Steve.
1: So. Yeah, so so the way I like it is when we get a new chief of staff of the army or a chief of staff of the air force, we don't have a choice. So we have to we have to adjust, right? It's the simplest way I can put it to other veterans. Now what we I think as a society fail to do constantly is to hold our elected representatives accountable. Exactly. And I think a lot of people forget you can actually recall your mayor. You can recall your governor. You can join in on these movements. It is okay to believe that they have done they have wronged your people and actually say, Hey, actually, we don't want you to do this anymore.
0: Yeah, we want to recount. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And and we you know, we're seeing a lot of that now. A lot of these Governors that you know a lot of people go. Oh, well they were in the legislature or they did this but What did they do before they decided to run for public office? You know a lot of them just go Well, I ran a business so you know, I can decide what's best for you yeah. But it's, it's not about me deciding what's best for you. It's you telling me That as a collective from my district yeah. This is what you believe is best go up to the state capitol and make it happen
0: Right. And that, that's what it's supposed to be like. I mean, I'm a big believer nowadays with social media. There's no reason that you as the as the representative for my county can't go on Facebook and say, hey, everybody, I need you to vote on this. This is the bill that's coming out or this is what they're proposing. Yeah. What do you think? So I know how to go in and advocate for what everybody in my community thinks. There's absolutely no reason that they can't create a poll or do something on their social media page and then tell everybody, just go to my social media page, click on it, fill the link out. We're going to take all that data and I'm going to show the data to everybody. And then I'm going to present this to the way you guys as my public and my, it's, to me, it's just, it's asinine that they're not taking advantage of the fact that they can hear directly from us. So they don't have to take that onus on themselves. They can say, hey, look, my constituents want this. Yeah. I'm fighting for it. Because 80% yeah. said they want us to do this, so we're doing it. And, and then you the, tell the other 20%, I'm sorry, but because the 80% want it, I got to go for it because
1: that's the way it's got to be. Yeah, the, the unique situation I'm in here in, my, in the district I'm in currently was that there's a severe lack of technology. Yeah, that's another problem, so too. So <laughs> when all this virus, I'm going to call it hysteria now, that more data is coming out. Yeah, it's hysteria. You know, once, once it stopped, they strongly suggested we stop canvassing in person, which for my district is the best way for me to get out and talk to folks. Right. So once they, once they kind of took that out from under me, it was, it was almost, some people could just say it was pointless to continue, right? Right. But it's not about now. It's not about, oh, making sure I get elected now. It's making sure people understand that at no point in time will I ever question the framers' intent of the Constitution. And I know that the guy that's going to run in the the Republican primary who who made it on the ballot, I already know he's endorsed anti-constitutional statements uh, regarding the Second Amendment. I know he's already done certain things that would curtail liberties of individuals. And what I do is I as I tell those people who try to tell me what to do, this is your guy. This is what you believe in, you know. And they're they're in kind of a uh, fight or flight mode right now, right? And so I've, I've I've gotten to position myself to kind of sit back and laugh and go, maybe you should have listened to me. It's it's and that's that's a hard part, especially as a veteran, especially for someone who worked at the Pentagon and you know had to find like tactful ways of doing things. Right. The part I enjoy the most now is. I'm not gonna say this nicely I'm not gonna do this yeah I'm just you got messed to... up <laughs> you <laughs> messed up you picked this guy this is your fault your fault. Um, and that's kind of the, the fun part about all this is I have I was having fun doing all the political events and everything I was having fun getting out and meeting people but really to watch watch people eat crow is it's yeah. got to be the best feeling in the world yeah. you know? It's, fun. Um, it's, it's,
0: it's a good feeling to know because I mean like you said being veterans and having so many times to to have to bite our tongues or have to whatever now we don't have to now we're gonna say look man you're you're full of crap you know what i'm saying that's just bs you lied this is what you said before see we don't have to hold back anymore so that kind of can be dangerous for us too at times but i think it's yeah. a benefit because we do know when we're when the right time is to bite our tongue i think that's what we learn. me and you guys i like mean you we learn when it's a good time to bite our tongue and then we learn when it's a good time not to bite our tongue and just let them have it because i think that trained us to be prepared for
1: yeah, I can eat that one. That's not a big deal. But no, not that one. I'm going to say something about that. Yeah, I, I always told my campaign advisor, I'm like, listen, I know how to behave. I know when to behave. And I know when I'm just going to ignore you and say whatever I want. And I got to say what I got to say. We had, <laughs> we, had a, we had a good working relationship like that. Cause, I'll deal with this later, but I got to do yeah. this now. Yeah. 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 So, oh. yeah, And that's uh, this has probably been the, the highlight so far. It looks like I'm going to be possibly heading back to D.C. for a few more years. Nice. Uh, outside of the political landscape. I've gotten some interesting conversations from defense contractors recently. So that looks like the field I'm going back into for a couple of years. But that is not going to persuade me from holding my tongue or not speaking out, especially back in my hometown. There's just a lot of people who feel they're, they're misrepresented and that they've bought into a lot of people who just, you know, listen to what I say, but don't watch what I do. That includes our mayor. That includes... A lot of our local elected representatives. Yeah, all those guys yeah they know. If they ignore my little jabs on Facebook and Instagram and all that, that's fine. But I liken myself to a bulldozer of the political landscape. So I hope they're, I honestly just hope they're prepared in the next three to five years. There you go. So that's, and that's what it is for me. It's all about the future. I do want to get back and talking a little bit more about the struggles and the inconsistency of life after you yeah. separate or retire you will probably have a year that's really good, especially the defense contractor. You'll probably have a year that's really good. And then that contract may just disappear. And then you may have six months where you're like, I don't know if I can do this. Like, I don't, know if, I don't know if I should be out in public. I don't know if I should be out, you know, without people watching me because I'm struggling. That's where we get back into, you know, the military setting us up correctly for leaving. You know, my TAPS class when I left the Pentagon was a joke. Yeah, mine too, Fort Hood. It was a joke, but it it, is, it, it it's, is. I can't think of a single thing that I learned in that class that set me up to transition. And, Well, and, you know, it relates back
0: to that whole in the military, let's just check the box to get it done, turn yeah. the paper, and we're done. And even some of that's the attitude you even take into that. Like, let's just hurry and get us 30 minutes over with, so I can get out of here because you're trying to transition. So I tell guys that all the time, listen, you got to listen to those things in that class. You got to get something out of each one of those classes. You got to take something. So that's what I tell them.
1: Yeah, and it's... The most beneficial thing I did... So there's a, a corporation, ACP, American Corporate Partners. They have a mentorship program. And so while I started my separation process, I was a part of that program for a year. And what, it, what they did is they paired me up with a corporate executive who mentored me for a year while I was transitioning. They went over my resumes, they went over my interview skills, and for that entire year, it was like I had someone in the real corporate world that was a civilian that right. re- really made my transition for that initial part a lot smoother. I bet. There are some questions I can think of now that I wish I would have asked more of the, of the corporate side. Right. Because it is it is a lot like certain military positions where it's, you know, this is my best friend and this is now their new job. Right. The questions I would ask would be more tailored to how do I how do i more represent myself as the most qualified individual you know my resume will shine through my interview skills will probably shine through but when you get down to it there's still a lot of you know how do i break into the system do i do i take the lesser paying job and get my foot in the door my my advice to folks considering that is if you can afford to do that and there's no other option then that would be your choice but if you know you're going to take a job that is $30,000 less than your military pay and you know you're more qualified in the position they're hiring me for as long as you can afford to hold on i would encourage you to look for a better opportunity i've kicked myself in the foot you know i love working at walmart but it it kicked me the wrong direction right. you know i took i took a massive pay cut to do that temporarily and working your way back up to where you know you should be is a lot more difficult than if I would have stuck to my guns in the first place. Right. So that's... that's We we all learn those lessons, I guess. And we all learn those lessons, like, oops, shit, fuck that up. (laughs) Yeah, you know, you you never realize how how much it may affect you when you do it. So I'm telling people now, be be very cautious of making that decision. Yeah. I don't... I didn't have the luxury of having a spouse working full time that could take over the reins temporarily. You know, I'd already finished my master's. I'd started on my doctorate. So there was no way I could just go to school and, and just live off my school money. So it, it was short-sighted on my part at first, but the lesson I learned is is beneficial to me. And I think it's more beneficial to others now. Does yeah, that's it, does it, if,
0: you, if you make that mistake, at least learn something from it, at least take something out of it that you can use to benefit your life later
1: on. So that's definitely there. Yeah, it's like it's like, does it suck that that I, I decided to do it to myself? Yes. But you know, I can now tell people. In my community or other veterans, hey let's talk this through let's let's really see if you can actually take this lower position or this low position of lower responsibility and lower pay right and that that is probably you know the lesson I learned from that is tenfold you know it's luckily I've been able to go back up the ladder, so to speak right so and a lot of that's just due to credit and my military experience so yeah, that's, uh, yeah, those are some of the,
0: definitely some of the challenges that we all face. I think it's like, do I get out and just take that job at Walmart or do I get, I just kind of wait it out. Some people can't, like you said, some people can't not afford to have something coming in. So they take it. But hopefully what I, I tell veterans is hopefully you'll learn something from that job. You'll learn some, cause Walmart is a corporation. They have a structure. So there is still structure inside that, inside that entity that can teach you something. You might not get everything you need for the next job, but it gives you some type of footprint. So I agree with you. You shouldn't take something so beneath you that it's going to end up hurting you. But there are some guys out there that just got to take what they can get right now because they got to put something on the table. So
1: without a doubt, both ways. And um, I know this, Walmart has a fantastic veterans program. They do. Yeah, they do actually. They, have a, with they have a fantastic veterans program and their, their business, their Walmart Academy that they send their managers to is one of the best for a business to, to teach you the basics of the business that i think i've ever studied or been a part of that's see that's awesome and, and you know walmart's
0: a billion dollar corporation so you know they're not investing in people to just get rid of them they're investing in you to try to keep you there for long term i think in most part i mean yeah everybody starts at that eight or 12 hour an hour job but they want you to eventually become a manager they want you to eventually become and stay in the system because it makes them stronger you know what i mean so i think they understand that as a corporation but for sure. All right, Steve, so here's what we'll do now, man. I'm going to give you a few minutes to just kind of talk about what you've been up to, what
1: you're doing, what what you what you could use help from veterans for or what we can do for you. Sure thing. So, so like I mentioned, you know, I do have future political aspirations. So, the best thing I can ask from the veteran community is is come over to my social media. If you like what I'm about, doesn't matter where you live. It's all about impression and reach. So, I just could really use the the, general, the generalized support uh, to, to further my political aspirations. Uh, if you're in the DMV area or if you're in the Tucson or Phoenix, Arizona areas, I'm going to say once we're allowed to uh, yeah, we out of the streets, right? leave our residences and do whatever we want again, even though I feel like we should be able to do that right now anyways, Yeah, just, just talk to me. Let, let me hear your concerns. As a veteran and a member of the veteran community, I know we have a good amount of, uh, concerns right and from my standpoint i don't think they're being properly addressed my claim to fame and my opposition is he he likes to brag that he is a honorary member of the military he he received some honorary appointment honorary? yeah no no, no this, is, this is this is this is juicy like this is the i can't make this stuff up like the jrtc gave him something <laughs> like, no no this is like so so there's a squadron on a local base here and they gave him some honorary commander title and he likes to brag about it and I'm not saying that it rips my insides apart but it's, it's I, a laughable I, thing though I mean honestly it's hilarious it's hilarious and oh, this God. is one of his this is one of the things he likes to tell people he likes to tell people this with like to get credibility with him yeah, yeah, oh yeah, and it's he should be honored by the fact that he
0: got that, but I don't know if he should be using it in any kind of speeches or anything. I mean, me personally, yeah. he should be honored that a, a military unit felt that way about him and, and respected him enough to do that for him. But that's about as far as it goes. I mean, it's just that unit specific to him. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, that's
1: funny, man. Yeah, it's a, it's a real it's a real that's interesting funny. dynamic, and so that's that's why you know on your local political level, you know, it doesn't really matter who our president is. None of their policies are effective unless you have state and local politicians that can make those things effective. So a lot of folks that are mad at Donald Trump about certain policies, you can actually affect how effective those policies are by paying attention to your local political races. Exactly.
0: I mean, if you use your mayor, your city council, your governor, your state representative, that's who makes the difference for your community. Like I live in the middle of nowhere, Texas, like we're in the middle of Texas. And I know my representatives. I know my mayors. I know everybody. And I'm like, hey, man, we need to fix this. And they're like, you're right. We do. And da, da, da. so you have to uh, you have to fix. Like I, I tell them, if you don't fix your house in your home, you can't fix nothing else. Yeah. So fix your city first. Fix your town Then your county. Then you go work on the state with your governor, because those are things that directly impact you. Those are the, where I tell you all the time. If you're going to vote for anything. You need to vote for your local government and your state government because those are things that are going to impact your life directly because our state doesn't have to do everything the federal government says unless the federal, you know what I'm saying? So there's rules the way. So you got to make sure we get the right people in our community government. That's what's important. It's guys like you that are working on the ground in the city and the towns and the counties you live in that can push things out to the state and then eventually get that up to the federal level and, and have them execute things to help us. But yeah, you're right, hundred percent. I mean, if you don't fix your own neighborhood and your own backyard, you're not going to to fix anything. So, yeah,
1: and and you know, the local political landscape is pretty pretty doggy dog. But, a lot of good old boy stuff going on still in Las But, but if there's if there's any group of of society that is prepared to uh, deal with political backstabbing and infighting, it would be any veteran who wants to run for office. Pretty much, yeah. regardless of party affiliation, you're going to be so much more better suited for the things they're going to say about you, uh, right. the things they're going to they're try to stab you in the back with. It will be nothing compared to all the humor and all the ragging we put on each other. So Yeah, we put ourselves through a <laughs> lot more. I know yeah. the Army, we put our There's a lot of trials and tribulations in the
0: Army when you're coming up. So yeah, yeah. I understand yeah. that for sure.
1: So it's, it's almost, you know, it's been comical to me. It's been fun. And that's, that's a big part for me is if, if you try to do it and, you don't, and you're not having fun, it's not for you. It's definitely not for you, right? I love the people who try to tell me what to do. I love the people who, you know, try to influence me. It's, it just emboldens me. It makes me, it makes me more apt to continue. Right. It pushes um, a little harder. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's great. Well, again, you know, the the best thing I can ask from the veteran community is, is, you know, bring me your concerns. I know how to write suggestions to legislators. Right. I've got that down. I'm working on a couple of things with some, some local constituents here, uh, here in Arizona that. Would probably be fairly game-changing for for them and their situations, and dealing with some of the veteran healthcare crisis. I know we can we can embolden our state and our our commun- our local communities, to do better. Yeah, without a doubt. So, all I really want from from anyone is, is just any sort of discussion and, and support, even okay. if, even if you don't like what I'm about. If if you're just willing to have a discussion so I can I can pick your brain and see you know what what your process is.
0: Talk to them for sure. Yeah.
1: You know, I'm I'm all for that. You know, like I said, I'm on social media constantly and I'm a big proponent of the constitution, like I think we all should be. And amen to that, brother. So I want to thank you for being on the show, Steve.
0: I definitely will get your stuff out in our uh, our feeds and our Facebook page internet to let everybody know where they can reach you if they need to reach you. Uh, We appreciate your time. We appreciate what you're doing in your community. That's a big deal. And I I think a lot of veterans should really think about running for local office when they get out just because they can they they have that mindset. They can help their community and they can do the right things and they have integrity and and moral courage and personal courage and all that stuff like that. So they can do the right thing and not be worried about the consequences. So that's the beautiful thing about being a soldier or being an airman, being a Marine, being a Coast guardsman, or being a, you know, sailor. So with that, Steve, I want to say thank you so much for being with me. The Veteran Be Real team out there and all our followers and listeners to know. So we'll put all of Steven's links on our page, not only our Facebook page, but on the website once his flyer comes out. So you can link in and check out his stuff. And please support Steve, man. It, like he said, even if you don't got, you're not in Arizona, but you just got some input or you got some thought process on some of the things he's about, reach out to him. Let him talk to you about it because you, you might educate him on something or he might be able to educate you on something and it could just help our community as veterans. So that's the most important thing. So,
1: thank yeah, you, Steve. Sure. I appreciate you, brother. Oh, uh, thank you for having me. Appreciate really appreciate you. everything you're doing, man. Yeah, no, I really appreciate it. Like I said, anything, anything that take time out of my day for the veteran community is time well spent. So, yeah, Amen. Yeah, amen. Okay, thank you. All
0: right. Appreciate you, Steve. Well, that's a wrap, everyone. Hope you all got something out of this podcast today. Please tell a battle buddy about us and stay tuned for our upcoming podcast. Don't forget to visit our website at www.veteransbereal.com. Support us, because we got your back. Till next time, everyone, I'm out of here.